bless the Lord. We bless you at all times. We bless you tonight. We bless you right now from the depths of our heart. We honor you, we worship you, and adore you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. This chapter is Faith's Hall of Fame. And I want to read verses 8, 9, and 10. Hebrews chapter 11. Been a wonderful day. My, my, my. I'm glad the Lord let me live to see this day. When we're breaking ground today, I thought, I didn't know I'd be here this long, but I sure am glad that I could see what's taking place. Amen, amen. Hebrews chapter 11, and beginning with verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You may be seated. The truth about heaven is what is revealed in God's Word. You know, there are a lot of books written about heaven, people who've had visions, people who've had experiences where they allegedly died and went to heaven and then came back. Well, I don't dispute any of that, but I do know that in this book we're told what heaven is like to the degree that God wants us to know. There's some things that I'm sure he has revealed to people that were not written in the book. So I don't want to dispute what anybody has said, but we have a more sure word of prophecy when we look into the Bible and find out what heaven is like. The Bible records two men who have been in heaven a long time. Enoch walked with God and was not because God took him. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. So Enoch's been there quite a while. Elijah has been in heaven a long time, and he never died. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 11 says, There appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and Elijah went up in a whirlwind by a whirlwind went into heaven. Then we read in the book of Revelation chapter 4, John the Apostle, who wrote the book as he was instructed by the angel and by Jesus Christ, he was instructed, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So we believe that John the Apostle was caught up into heaven and allowed to come back to earth, and certainly he described what the Holy Ghost revealed to him about heaven. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4, said, I knew a man over 14 years ago, I don't know if he was in the body, out of the body, but he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which were not lawful for him to utter. So I believe that the apostle Paul was caught up into heaven and shown things that he was not allowed to write about. 
Well, we, are, we do know certain things from the scriptures that I read to you in Hebrews chapter 11, that there is a city in heaven, and it's the new Jerusalem. Abraham was a nomad. He was a tent dweller. He wandered a pla- around from place to place. He never really possessed the promised land himself. It was given to his seed and, and their seed after him. But Abraham was looking for a city, and he, he knew that there was reality because God had communed with him face to face, and Abraham knew God. He said, this city has foundations. There's something about heaven that's permanent. It is not going to go away. It's eternal. And so God put foundations there. In that foundations, 12 foundations are names of the apostles and precious jewels, precious jewels in the foundations under that city. He also said it's a build, the building and maker is God. God was the architect. God created it and made heaven and earth. And so the supreme guarantee that heaven is the home of God and that you and I are going to go there is given to us by the Lord because it's a city and the foundations are there and the builder and maker is God. So if God did that, nobody's going to tear it up, nobody's going to wreck it, nobody's going to bomb it out of existence. It's there awaiting our permanent residence there. Heaven was created by God, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 tells us, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. So it's something that he made himself and created it. In in Acts chapter 7 and verse 49, heaven is my throne. And then in verse 50, hath not mine hand made all these things? God himself testifies that he made heaven himself. And so I'm sure there's no imperfections there. There's no bad carpentry work, no, no, no poor uh, construction going on. It's eternal and it's permanent. The three heavens, we look up in the sky and we see the skies and we call them the heavens. And so that's the starry sky. But above and beyond that are the planets and the stars that are far out above the clouds that we see and call heavens above us. And so there's the starry heaven with the planets. And then there is the planet heaven where the throne of God exists, the third heaven. So there's just right above us the heavens that we can see. And then there's the starry heaven with the planets. And then above that, there is the eternal planet heaven itself where God created and made the city of Jerusalem. And one day we're going to be there. Heaven is the capital of the universe. Everything is the nerve center. New Jerusalem is the capital city. The heavenly temple is there. I know that it's not a temple where blood sacrifices are going to be made and that type of thing, but it's a place where worship is going on continually in the presence of God by the holy angels and by saints who preceded us there. The throne of God is there. John saw that throne and saw one sitting upon that throne. The throne was set, S-E-T. That means permanently affixed. Nobody's going to move it out or budge it out of its place. So the throne of God is there and one sat upon that throne. Stephen saw one standing to the right side of that throne. And so that throne had a rainbow about it. 
revealing to us the eternal covenant of God that he is keeping his promises that one day we'll dwell there. The capital city will continue to remain in heaven until after the millennium, after the thousand years of peace, after the rapture, after the tribulation, after the millennium, Jesus is coming back to the earth to set up a kingdom on this earth that will last for 1,000 years. And then he's going to renovate the present heavens and earth with fire. And the new Jerusalem is coming down from God out of heaven. And that's the place that's going to remain. In Revelation chapter 21, if you turn to that in your Bible, you'll see that this is right there before you, beginning with verse 9. Now, I'm going to read it from the Living Bible because it gives dimensions that we would not understand in the King James. Here it is, beginning with verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had emptied the flask containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me, and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. In a vision, he took me to a towering mansion, mountain peak, and from there, I was led, I watched that wondrous city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of the skies from God. It was filled with the glory of God and flashed and glowed with precious gems and crystal clear jasper. Its walls were broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written in the gates. There were three gates on each side, the north, the south, the east, the west. The walls had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, this is what heaven's like. This is what the New Jerusalem is like. Verse 15, the angel held in his hand a golden measuring stick to measure the city and its gates and walls. When he measured it, he found it to be a square as wide as it was long. In fact, it was in the form of a cube. Now, some people disagree with that and say it was a triangle. But nevertheless, this is the living Bible. For its height was exactly the same as other dimensions, 1,500 miles each way. Woo, that's big. Then he measured the thickness of the walls and found them to be 216 feet across. The angel called out these measurements to me using standard units. The city itself was pure, transparent gold like glass. The wall was made of jasper and was built on 12 layers of foundation stones inlaid with gems. Wouldn't you say that's glorious? That must be a beautiful place. The capital city, the new Jerusalem, will be on earth one day when God renovates this earth with fire and purifies and destroys every vestige of evil that's ever been on the face of the earth. And that's after Satan is put into the lake of fire. He'll never corrupt the earth again. I want to answer the question, who is in heaven now? Heaven was created by God. Who is there with him now? First of all, Jesus Christ is there with him. And Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, the apostles were gathered on the Mount of Olives and they saw Jesus disappear up in the clouds. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up 
and a cloud received them, him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. We know Jesus made it to heaven because he sent the Holy Ghost back to take his place on the earth while he's in heaven. Mark chapter 16 and verse 19 tells us, Jesus was received up into heaven on the right hand of God. There are 11 places where it mentions that Jesus is on the right hand of God in your Bible. 11 different references to him being on the right hand of God. He's there to intercede for us. He's there to demonstrate his power to keep you and me on the right path so that one day we'll be with him in heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. So the first part of the resurrection, Jesus is the first fruits. Others have been resurrected uh, even shortly after him and went to join him. But one day in the first resurrection, when Jesus Christ allows the trump of God to sound and the dead in Christ to sound, the saints that have preceded us in death are going to be resurrected and taken up to heaven, and you and I are going to join them in the clouds. Stephen saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father as the first martyr spirit was received into heaven and Stephen prayed that the Lord would forgive those who were stoning him. He said, they don't understand what they're doing. But he saw Jesus standing. I believe he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But he stood up and looked over the balcony of heaven to watch Stephen as his spirit soared from his body and came up to be with God as they were stoning him to death. John had a vision of Jesus in heaven, so we know he's there. Enoch has been in heaven over 5,000 years, and Elijah has been there over 3,500 years. All Christians who have preceded us in death, their spirit body is there today. Your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, I believe Jim Dunn is there today. He died just a few weeks ago. And over the weekend, Carl Nettles went to be with the Lord. And they're there in their spirit body today. Now, their spirit body will be reunited with their physical body on the day of the resurrection. And they will see Christ in their physical body at that time. All Christians who have preceded us in death, we have a little baby over there. In fact, we have two that were never born. My wife had miscarriages, so we believe that. Gary has, and Kim have some over there. And so those who've been aborted, I believe those babies are in heaven. I believe that all those little children that have been brutally killed by ISIS, I believe they went straight to heaven. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 and 23 tells us, but ye are come unto the city of Zion, unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Yes, our loved ones are there, an innumerable 
number of angels, company of angels. It could not be measured, could not be numbered. It defies imagination, the number of angels that are there. And so there's quite a company of people already in heaven, all who were born again, all who trusted Jesus Christ for salvation and died, having preceded us in death. They're there with all the angels of God. And so I think there's a beautiful time of worship and praise, singing, playing harps, enjoying all the beauties of heaven. What is it that is in heaven other than people? The throne of God with a rainbow about it, with the Father seated on it and Jesus at his right hand. We also read about in the book of Revelation mansions, where Jesus told us about mansions, trees, rivers, fountains, food, animals, altars, fire and coals, incense, musical instruments, clothing, stones, books, crowns, treasures, rainbow, lamps, worship, palm trees, singing, trumpets, keys, candlesticks, the ark of the covenant, doors, posts, pearls, precious stones, gold, and fruit. Can everybody just stop and praise God? Heaven is filled with some wonderful things, wonderful people, and the angels of God, seraphims, cherubims, the living creatures are there. The elders are there. Praise God. Who shall ascend into the hill of God? We read about that in the book of Psalms 24, verse 3 through 5. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in the holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So people who've been washed in the blood, forgiven from their sins, it doesn't mean we never sin because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I'm here to remind you today that your past sins are not held against you any longer. You don't need to punish yourself. Jesus bore your punishment. Jesus paid the price. No need to have a guilty conscience any longer. God has forgiven you if you've confessed your sins. And so don't go through life punishing yourself for your past life. So in heaven, he that has pure, clean hands and a pure heart, that means that God made them clean. God made it pure. And you've, you've lived a righteous life the best you could. Now, none of us are perfect. And in fact, some people believe you've got to reach a stage of perfection before the rapture in order to be a part of the rapture. If that would be the case, we'd all miss it. We'd all miss it. Nobody would go. What's going to happen at the moment of the rapture, at the moment of the rapture, is that Jesus Christ is going to cleanse us completely and purely. We'll stand in the presence of God with clean hands because the miracle of God will take place in our life at that time. All born-again believers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you're familiar with it, but I'm going to read it again, beginning with verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. That means you and I, we're still living. Our friends that have preceded us in death, Brother Carl, Jim, and, and many others that we've laid to rest over the years. They're, they're going to precede us in the resurrection, but we're going to join them out there in the clouds. Here's what it says. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain in the Lord shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. When the rapture takes place, Jesus will appear in the clouds. He won't come all the way to the earth. The dead will be resurrected and they'll start on their journey up into the clouds. Then we will be translated if we're still alive and we will join them to meet Jesus in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. One more time, give the Lord praise for that eternal hope that we have. Clean hands and a pure heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23 tells us that in heaven the general assembly and church of the firstborn, the spirits of just men made perfect. It means that people are living a holiness life. We believe in divine uh, Christianity that results in a holiness lifestyle. We don't believe that people can set their own rules and make their own regulations, but be ye holy as I am holy, Jesus said. And so therefore we're to seek a holiness life. Who is it that's not going to heaven? That's interesting. Unbelievers are not going to heaven. If they don't believe in heaven, don't worry, they won't be there to corrupt it and mess it up. You know, a lot of people make fun of you for believing about the pie in the sky and, and all of this uh, they call it stupidity. I've been reading some comments that made me furious, but then I got to thinking, well, they're not going to be there. We're going to be there. And so they don't have to worry about it. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 11, through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves, with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. That's our past life. That's been changed. That's been washed in the blood of Jesus. Such were some of you, but you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The miracle of salvation, we're not held accountable for that past life. So take hope today. Have hope. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 tells us about the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know if I have people in the room tonight that would fit into any of those categories, but that is a sharp reminder. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Not until you get forgiveness, not until you're washed, not until you're cleansed, and God takes it out of your life. So those are the people who will not be there. Heaven's going to be a pure city. David Wilkerson's book, The Vision, was written over 40 years ago. And in it, he, I just reread it again this past week. 
In it, he, he gave many prophecies about the end times. I don't believe that he would himself realize how truthful his prophecies were and how they would be brought to pass literally. But in there, and I'll just give you a few quotes. He said, there will be economic confusion, bankruptcies, and there, another wave of economic trouble is on the way. The United States will be blamed for the world's recession, drought, weather conditions, breaking all records, all previous records. We've read it in the paper and seen it on the news. Earthquakes, floods, a moral landslide, sexual sins of every description, homosexual lifestyles, those uh, being now accepted as normal. He predicted that and prophesied that. War against Christianity. M many things. Uh, even he pr predicted that marijuana would be legalized. He knew that and he prophesied that. And again and again, he prophesied things that are coming to pass right before our very eyes. Some of the things that we see even today in the, about riots, and he spoke uh, quite lengthy in this book about that. Riots in the, in the streets of our great cities around the world, not just here in America, but around the world. Well, we've seen it here in New York. We've seen it in Missouri. We've seen it in Los Angeles. We've seen it in many cities right here in the United States and in other places on the face of the earth. Friends, we are living in the last days. Many people are going to miss the rapture. Not everybody's going to make it. I don't know. I don't want you to miss it. It would break my heart to think that there's someone in this room that heard this sermon about heaven and then you didn't get to go there. But many people are going to miss it. Noah and eight souls, counting Noah, made it on the ark when all the inhabitants on the face of the earth perished and died. The Bible tells us that he had seven days. God told him to come into the ark. And seven days later, the flood came. There were seven days for mourning about all the relatives and all the people that were not going to get in that ark. He knew that. God had revealed that he's going to destroy them. And so he had a seven-day mourning period. And I think we should have some mourning during this time of fasting and prayer about loved ones that are not ready to meet God, about people who are not going to make it, about people who will be left behind when the rapture takes place. The song, I Dreamed I Searched Heaven for You, has been going over in my mind for weeks. I haven't heard this song in over 50 years, maybe 60 years. I remember hearing it young, in my younger days. But I copied some of the words down. I just want to read them to you. I won't try to sing them. <laughs> I know you're thankful. I dreamed I had gone to that city, that city where never comes night, and I saw the bright angels in glory, arrayed in pure robes of white. I passed the long, long years of, uh, I passed through the long years of the rapture. That print's so dim I can't read it. Anyway, it ends up saying, I dreamed I searched heaven for you. Search vainly for you. Friend, won't you prepare to meet me up there lest I should search heaven for you? It's possible that you came into this service tonight because you're unhappy with your lifestyle. You know that you're not living right. 
I would not want you to leave out those doors without praying about that and asking God to forgive you for your sins. So I'm going to close this message tonight with a prayer for forgiveness and cleansing and salvation. And I want everybody to stand for this prayer. And we're going to ask God to forgive us for the sins that have been committed in our lives. And we don't want anything on our record that would cause us to miss heaven. I don't want to search heaven looking for you and not find you there one day. Father, in this room tonight, there are people making quality decisions about eternity. I pray that they will not make a mistake and leave this place unprepared to meet God. I pray that not one person will be lost. Not one person will be left behind when the rapture takes place. Lord, I pray their names will be recorded on the Lamb's Book of Life and salvation will come to their home and their family even tonight in the name of Jesus. Now, I want everybody to pray this prayer and we're going to mean it from the depths of our heart. If you don't mean it, there's no need to say it. But if you really want God to forgive you for your sins, pray this prayer with me now. Dear God in heaven, I confess my sins. I'm sorry that I failed. I know I deserve to go to hell, but I'm glad Jesus paid the price to forgive me for my sins. Thank you for the blood that was shed to cover my sins. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I repent of every sin. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for hearing me. I know you hear me tonight. In Jesus' name. Remain standing. Friends, if you prayed that prayer and you were not ready to meet God, God heard you and he, will answer, he has already answered your prayer. You need to seal that tonight by walking down here and letting us pray a prayer with you as our ministers come and Wait here at the altar. I want to give you an opportunity to come down and say, I prayed that prayer. I meant it from my heart, and I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. We have a card we want you to fill out. We want to get your name. We want to encourage you in discipleship. So if you prayed that prayer for forgiveness, step out and come to the front right now. Step out and come. I believe there's someone here. I just can't close this. I don't want to search heaven one day and think, on that Sunday night, there was someone there that should have walked down that aisle, and they didn't do that. You didn't give them enough time, so I want to give you enough time to come. Thank you, young man. Thank you for these young men who have come forward. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Praise God. Give them a hand. Praise God. Hallelujah. Someone else needs to make that commitment. You prayed that prayer. Now seal it with the stepping forward to say, I need another prayer for encouragement. I want you to pray with me. Come on. I want some people to intercede for the lost. Some people who will come down and make an altar of prayer. You need to pray for your loved ones, your family. You need to pray for somebody that's on your heart. So you come now. Any Christians that want to come and intercede for the lost souls, Make your way here now to seek the Lord for the lost.
Thank you for coming. This is a time of intercession. This is a time of, to call on the Lord in behalf of your loved ones. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now let's fill in behind these people and come down and everybody pray for a harvest of souls, a multitude of people to find God in these last days just before the rapture. I don't believe it's going to be very long. So more to come. Fill in behind them and let's pray. Pray for revival and pray for a move of God. 